We're in the second week of the last words of Christ. Last week, if you were with us, we were looking at the term daughters of Jerusalem. And this amazing warning that Jesus gave to those who followed him then. But ultimately the prophetic word that he was given to even us today. And how he warned us that we need to be careful as to which church we actually belong to. Whether or not we're part of the true church birthed through the Sarah-like church. Or we were a part of the church that is birthed through man and flesh, which was the Hagar church. And really, we just delved in that last week. And, and this week, what I want to do is I really want to look at this statement that Jesus says at the point when he's on the cross, when he says, truly, I said to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And for many of us, that's a, a term that we equate with Easter. It's one of the things that we come to here to celebrate today, that we can know that we will be with Christ. We can know that we are going to be in the new heaven, in the new paradise, to be with him forever because of his sacrifice on the cross, his atonement paid for our sin, and the fact that he rose again. But what I want to do is I want to really look at the context of that statement and how we can know for certainty that we actually will be with Christ. So what I want to do is I want to read together from Chapter 23, verse 32, following on from where we left off last week. And it says, Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Let's just pray together before we come to what the Lord has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I come before you now, Lord, and I ask you, Father, to speak your word through your servant, me today, Lord. Father, I pray that I bring nothing that is not in this text, Father, nor do I take anything away. But Lord, may it be a gospel presentation this morning to us so that we can have certainty, Father God, that we will be with you forever and ever in the new heaven and paradise that is to come. Father, I just pray for every ear that is here today, Father God, for anybody who may not have turned and repented and chosen to follow after you today, Lord, may it be the day that they have the eyes to see your word, the ears to hear your gospel, and the conviction that can only be laid upon them by the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that we put no guards around our hearts, but that we open ourselves up to your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that everyone in this room can hear your voice today through the Holy Spirit. 
as we study this text. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask you to be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is I want to look at really from verse 39 on, now that we have the context of these two criminals. And it says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And immediately whenever we read that, we can sometimes think that this is maybe vague in the presentation. We, we can read that and say, well, well, we don't see him believing and repenting and being baptized as, as what we're told in the book of Acts. Like, is this guy definitely saved? When we can say, well, yes, he is because of what Jesus said to him. But, but what was the saving process? What was going on? And one of the things we have to remember is whenever it says that the two criminals were led away in the very beginning in verse 32 in other gospels, in the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Mark, it says that both those criminals reviled him. Both those criminals mocked him. Both those criminals blasphemed the Christ. Both those criminals disbelieved and both those criminals spoke to Jesus in a blasphemous way. And yet we know that Jesus was led to the cross some 33 AD, the spring, at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was placed on the Skull Mountain. He was put up and then a criminal to his left and a criminal to his right. And then both those criminals at that point, at 9 o'clock in the morning, according to the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, or sorry, the Gospel of Mark, both of them did not believe that he was the Messiah. Both of them reviled him. Both of them mocked him. So what happened between 9 o'clock and consequently to the point at 3 o'clock whenever Jesus breathed his last? What happened that made this other criminal realize who Christ was and actually rebuke the other criminal for speaking the blasphemous words that he was speaking? And really, what was that process? And the only thing that we can look at is, especially whenever we, we read in verse 34, and it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that was in the midst of the Pharisees and the scribes walking past, wagging their heads, reviling him, mocking him, putting this, this board above his head saying, the king of the Jews, and all this here is in mockery, the so-called king of the Jews, the so-called Messiah that was going to rebuild the temple in three days. Come on, save yourself. So that criminal was with these people. But yet the words that he heard was Jesus whenever he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the process that we see this criminal going through, the very first thing that he realizes, is he realizes as he hung on that cross, and he heard those words come out of Jesus' mouth, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And as he hung there beside Jesus Christ, I believe that the conviction that can only come from the Holy Spirit was being laid upon this criminal's mind and heart. Because we've all once been there. Anybody who was not a follower of Christ, you mocked Christians. You thought it was laughable. You thought it was just religion. You were completely blinded, the word says. You were dead in your trespasses. You were blinded to the way. 
It's, a, it's the same sort of conversion with this criminal that we see with the Apostle Paul on the way to Damascus as he was floored by the Spirit of the Lord, knocked completely onto his back, blinded by Christ himself, and then told that he was to turn and repent. And we see that with Paul as he marched towards Damascus with papers in his hand to not only catch those who believed in Jesus Christ, but also to imprison them and to persecute them. A complete changing of his heart. And that's what we see here on this criminal. And we know that that is the truth because we read in verse 39 that one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Come on, so-called Christ. You who are the Messiah. You who are the chosen one. Because both these men were more than likely Jews who were hanged beside him. Both these men more than likely had a good understanding of who the Messiah was meant to be. This warrior king that was going to bring triumph and freedom from the occupation and the oppression from the Romans and others before that time. So he mocks him. The saviour, the Christ. You can't even save yourself, nor can you save us. That's what one criminal was saying. He could not fully see what Christ was doing on the cross. He could not fully see what Jesus Christ was actually doing was actually saving them by that process. But we look at the other criminal and it says in verse 40, But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? Are you crazy? Do you not fear God that we are going to stand before and only a matter of ours? And you have to realize what happened because just, just hours before this, that same criminal was slandering and blaspheming Jesus just in the same way. But conviction has come upon him. And that is the true sign if someone is actually in the process of being born again. If somebody actually has the conviction of the Holy Spirit on them. The very first thing that they realize is a fear of God. It's a fear of the Almighty. It's a fear of standing before the living God and creator. And having nothing. Nothing to bring apart from sin. Because we understand that these men were being hanged because they had broken the laws of the land. But the laws of the land at that time, just like a lot of the laws that we have, were founded and based upon God's laws. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. So not only was this criminal realizing that he was justly hanging on a cross because he had broken not only the commandments of God, but also the commandments of man. And that if man's judgment on him was that you deserve to die in the most gruesome way that we can possibly think of, which is being nailed to a cross. That that is man's judgment. What is God Almighty going to do to me when I stand before him if man believes that I deserve to be hung on a cross? He has a fear of the living God Almighty. So he looks at his friend and goes, what is wrong with you? Because where he is, How the Spirit is working on his life for the very first time. He is realizing that he should have a fear of God himself. Up to this moment, he didn't seem to have it. According to Matthew, according to Mark, he was reviling him too. He was slandering him too. He was blaspheming him too. But all of a sudden, as he hung on that cross, the Holy Spirit, because it is only the Holy Spirit that can give you the vision of your depravity can give you the realization of who you actually are and the fallenness and the sinfulness of yourself. And he realizes it. Are you crazy? 
Do you not fear God? You're blaspheming the Christ. You're blaspheming God Almighty who took on flesh. The glory of God veiled in flesh who is Jesus Christ. Do you not fear him? And surely if you were the other criminal, you would look at him and go, what's happened to you? You were doing exactly the same thing, but moments or hours ago. And that's the first stage that we realize in true, genuine repentance and conversion has to start with a fear of God. Work out your own faith with fear and trembling. What is it that we're going to be saved from? We're going to be saved from the judgment of the Almighty. That's the initial stage of the gospel. As we proceed, as we've looked at, we're saved from the things of this world. But this man did not have that time of sanctification. This man is at the very beginning of what the gospel is. A fear and a realization that he's going to stand before the living God. He goes on. It says, Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. He feels the guilt of his sin. Starts with the fear of God. Starts with the realization of your sin. And then the second is, I justly hang here. It's just. It's just that I hang here unable to breathe. It's just that I'm going to have my legs broken shortly. It's just that this is the end for me. Because of what I've done. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm going to be before the Lord. I realize that I have nothing. I am justly being punished. And if man justly punishes me like this, what will God do to me? Do not fear the Lord, for we will justly be hanging on this cross. And it's right for what we've done. That's the two places of the gospel. There's, that's the procedure of the gospel. There's, there's nothing else that we can cling to. There's nothing else that I can say to you. Many people want to come today with a presentation of God's love. Yes, God is a God of love because he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to hang on that cross for anyone who believes to escape his wrath, to escape his judgment, and to escape the fact that when you stand before the God, the God Almighty, you have no fear. Why do we have no fear? Because our hope is in Christ. Why do we have no fear? Because the atonement has been paid. We have to remember as well is that what is Passover? Many Jewish people had lost the meaning. Jews celebrated Passover, if you go to the book of Exodus, whenever they were in Egypt, occupied as slaves, a depiction of the new Israel, us in as slaves to sin, and how God set them free whenever the angel of death passed over their homes and killed the firstborn of, of Pharaoh's people, the Egyptians. But that's not what happened. God said, It does not matter whether you're Egyptian or whether you're a Jew. If you do not have the blood of the lamb on your doorpost, you will be killed. They did not escape from Egypt. They escaped from the wrath of God. That was the purpose of the celebration of the Passover. That if you were a Jew and you were perfect in every way of following everything that you were called to be as a Jew. And you were living in Egypt. If you did not have the blood of the lamb upon your doorpost, Jew Greek, Egyptian, whatever, your firstborn child would be killed. It was an escape, yes, from Egypt, but it was an escape from God's wrath. And here we have, being played out through the scriptures, the true sacrificial lamb. 
As the people were getting ready to celebrate Passover. And they wanted Jesus off the cross. They were getting ready to to slit the throats of lambs. They missed the fact that the true lamb that was there to sanctify them. Ultimately, forever, was being slain on the cross. They were missing it. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. We can miss the fact that the whole purpose of the cross is to save us from the wrath of God. This man knew it. He had a fear of the Lord and he knew that his sins were being justly punished. And he goes on to build on what the true gospel is going through this man. He says, justly for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. It's not that he doesn't deserve to be in this cross for what they say. He realizes the sonship of Christ. He realizes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That Jesus Christ is the sinless, spotless lamb. And he professes it to say he has done nothing, ever done anything wrong. He does not deserve to die on this cross like me and like you. Do you have no fear of the Lord? Do you not realize who he is? He is the promised Christ. He is the Messiah. Fear of God, guilt of sin, realization of who Christ surely is. He has done nothing wrong. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is the polar opposite of many gospels being preached today. He did not say to Jesus, I believe who you are. You don't deserve to be here. I have a fear of the Lord. He does not say, you are the Messiah. You can forgive my sins. Take me off the cross. He doesn't say that. The other criminal said that, but he mocked him because he did not believe he could do it. He did not say, I want you to take away my pain. He did not say, I want you to take away my discomfort. He did not say, I want you to take me off this cross and give me prosperity. What he said is, I just want you to remember me when you're coming into your kingdom. And the problem today is that people go out and tell others a gospel that is false and an accurate to that. That you come to Jesus to get health, wealth and prosperity. No, we come to Jesus to get freedom and being saved from the wrath of God. That is the gospel. There is no other. If you've heard anything else, you're not hearing a true gospel. Christ did not die to give you health and wealth and prosperity. Yes, as we follow after the Lord, God looks after us as sons and daughters. There's elements of that, but there's also other people today that you could be sitting and give your life to Jesus on your deathbed about to die of cancer, and he does not guarantee that he will lift that cancer off you. What he guarantees you is that when you breathe your last and stand before the living God Almighty, that he will be your intercessor and your high priest and you do not fear before the Lord. Your sins are forgiven. He went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin. He drank the full cup of God's wrath. That's why people misuse the scripture and say by his wounds we have been healed. Healed from what? Healed from physical ailments? No. Healed from the one tool that the devil had in his arsenal. Death. Healed from sin. Healed from our old nature. Paul says in Romans that we are new creatures. In fact, when he goes through that list of all the things that we should be, he finishes it and says, but they do not have a fear of the Lord. They have no fear of God. They come to God for nothing more than a handout. They come to God as a tag on. They come to God because they want to get, they want to receive. They want to experience the love of the Lord. And as soon as hard times come, they're gone. This is not what I signed up for. The true, authentic 
born again believer is like Paul. I have praised God in plenty and I have praised God in want. I've praised God when I've been shipwrecked. I've praised God when I've been saved. Safe. I've praised God when they stoned me. I've praised God when I've walked through the gardens. I've praised God in every single situation because it does not matter what I have or what I don't have. What I have is eternal security and a fear of God. Fear of the living Lord. The Bible says that every single nation, tribe, and tongue will kneel before the throne of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Everyone will realize it then. We looked at it in Revelation whenever they will call out in fear that the mountains will fall on them. They'll call out in fear and it says how death will elude them. We looked at that over the past couple of weeks. What does that mean? There is coming a day that I will not stand with you. Your wife will not stand with you. Your husband or your children will not stand with you. You will stand before God Almighty. And you will either be one of two things. I believe that this criminal was on his right says in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus Christ says that the sheep will be on his right and the goats will be on his left. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me, I never knew you. And he will say to those who are the true authentic sheep, the true authentic followers, come and receive your reward. It's that depiction being played out here on the cross. So we ask ourselves when we read this, is that what we understand the Gospel to be? Do you have a fear of the Lord? A reverence for the Lord. And you come to worship Him because you have the hope that when you stand before a just God. A just God. Not justification of how the humans today in courts decide whether or not you deserve prison. But the God Almighty. You've spurned His laws. You've spurned maybe the laws of man. And you're going to stand before Him. And what are you going to bring to the table? Works. Apparently that does nothing. Works will do you nothing. The only thing that we have to cling to is the realization I am a sinner. The realization you're going to stand before God. And the realization that hell is a real place. And that there is many, many today who mock that thought. Christ is not coming back. The church is old fashioned. The church isn't for me. I don't believe I'm going to stand before God. I believe that I was created from a bit of slug slime that produced itself over the millennia and turned me into this today. There's nothing to look forward to. When I die, I'm going to go into the ground and that's it. I become worm food and on goes the cycle. They laugh. They mock. Us as Christians, they laugh and they mock Easter, the celebration that we have that we will be raised out of the ground and that we will be with him forever and that we do not no longer have to have a fear of the Lord because of the gracious gift that Jesus says to this man and Jesus says to anybody who truly turns and repents and does what this man has done this man is shocked in fact he's outraged at what the criminal is saying but I believe he's more shocked and outraged what he's done I broke your laws God I broke the laws that man made because of your laws. And I reviled you on a cross. Maybe he spat at Jesus too. Maybe he made mockery of the sign that's above him. And all of a sudden, by the gift of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has opened his eyes to see exactly who Christ is and exactly who who he is. And he is blown away and is shocked and says, do you not have any fear of God? He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the son of a living Lord. Will you remember me? 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I don't want anything on this world. I just want you to remember me when you come. I know you're coming back in your kingdom. I want to be with you in your kingdom. Could it be that you would remember me? A criminal. A blasphemer of you. Because I heard you say it. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Could, you, could I be in that statement whenever you said it and I was mocking you too? Could, could you forgive me? Could I be with you in light of everything that I've done? I believe who you are. I believe in the gospel. I believe that you truly are the son of the living God. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I said to you today. Why does Jesus say truly? I have such a shocking statement that I'm going to say to you that you're going to need me to say truly. Truly I say to you, in the light of everything that you've done up to this point, in light of even your mockery of me but hours ago, truly I say to you, because the conviction in your heart is real and the evidences is real and you realize who you are and you realize who God is and you realize who I am and you realize what I'm doing for you on this cross and you must realize as well that I'm going to be raised from the dead and you must realize that I'm going to come back as the true savior of the world and the true king to judge the nations because you've asked me that when you come, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Truly I said to you today, You'll be with me in paradise. Today. Not. You need to start learning the word. Not. Well what works are you going to do. Before I breathe my last. It's done. It's finished. Your belief is sufficient. We are saved by faith alone. And grace alone. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alone. Works. Fruit. Genuine. Byproduct of that. Today. You'll be with me in paradise. Where was paradise? Abraham's bosom. You're going to be with me whenever I go down into the ground and I conquer the devil and hell and I take the keys and I take all the saints that have been waiting in paradise in Abraham's bosom and they're going to be raised with me and you too will be there today. It's an amazing statement. And it's the same statement that's true for us today. If you're here And you do not know the Lord for whatever reason you've been blinded to it. If you're here and you haven't genuinely ever thought of the fact that you're going to stand before the living God. And you've never had the conviction of fear. And that Jesus has been nothing more than my parents take me to church so why I go. Jesus has been nothing more that I say a couple of prayers. Jesus has been nothing more that I want and I get. If Jesus Christ is not everything in your life at this point, today is the day that he can be. The same gospel for this man is the same gospel that's here today. But you will never truly be born again unless you truly have the conviction that comes from the grace of the Lord by the Holy Spirit to see your depravity. That's why no man can boast. There is no difference between this criminal. No matter what he's done, whether he's a murderer or what he's done or a rapist or what may have you, he's going to be in heaven with us who are true believers and Christ Almighty because he accepted what is the gospel. It's here for us this morning. It's a realization that this is the only gospel that we can cling to. And this gospel isn't popular today. 
hellfire and brimstone, talking about judgment, Gary, talking about a fear of the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, if you do not fear the day that you're going to stand before the Lord because of what you've done, you've never truly understood the gospel. And then that fear be subsided with the reminder of the hope that we have that our atonement has been paid. That's why we worship and praise. Does not matter what style of worship it is, we should worship because of that. Hallelujah, Lord, that the, the tomb is empty and that you rose again and I'm going too. Doesn't matter what I did, past or present or future, it's done, it's finished, it's sufficient. Those are the fruits of genuine conviction. If you cannot follow that and you have never experienced that, then you've never experienced the true gospel. If you're not living your life knowing that your kingdom is to come and that your reward is to come, then you've missed it. Do not listen to the tele evangelists and TBM and every other channel that wants to get your money. And tell you it's all about health, wealth and prosperity. Don't listen to somebody that says if Jesus Christ is being preached and there's any kind of an opening for the fact that you could still have illness or sickness, then it's not the gospel. Bill Johnson, Bethel, will run from it. All these people that are so-called famous pastors and preachers, so-called preachers and they're preaching a false gospel. And the Bible says through the Apostle Paul that if anybody preaches a gospel that's different to that, there are a curse. There are an athema. There's many today that are following a gospel that is not that. And they're damned. We celebrate today. Our king has risen. He paid the price on the cross. And we should follow the same direction of what that criminal did. A fear and a reality of a holy God. A fear and a reality that we spurned his name. And a praise and a wonderment that how he could send his son to die for us. And a joy of hope to realize we're covered in his blood. And a praise that sings out from a new song in our mouth. Because our feet are upon a rock and we have a, a hope. And we have a goal. And we have a heaven that's awaiting us. That's the gospel. Amen? Let's pray.